Adrenaline Podcast, the first Adrenaline Podcast, trying something new here. My name is John Paul. I'm going to be the host uh, as we go through this journey over the next several episodes. Uh, If you are in the lacrosse world, you probably know me as the former coach at the University of Michigan, where I was for 20 years, really where I was my whole life, uh, having grown up in Ann Arbor and had a father who worked for the university and then went there myself and played there and then coached there. I had a couple jobs there before I coached there as well. So what am I doing here, doing a podcast for Adrenaline? Uh, This is not going to be about me, but uh, I think over the course of our episodes, I have a lot of stories and anecdotes from my life in lacrosse. So you'll learn a little bit about me over the next few months. Uh, but in short, yeah, a lot of people ask, what am I doing now after I've been coaching for so long? And the, the great answer I can give now is, is whatever I want. Uh, I've been picking and choosing projects that I enjoy doing with people I enjoy doing it with. And when John Ozisi, who you're going to be hearing from in a few minutes here, reached out last summer. Uh, asking if I was available to do some things with West Coast Stars and with Adrenaline. Uh, that was that fit the bill. Uh, fun group of people who I like working with. And, and so among my many projects, here's one of them. And, and recently, over the winter, as we were brainstorming <clears throat> ways to kind of keep the West Coast Stars and Adrenaline uh, brand growing and, and evolving, uh, one of the things that was suggested was starting this podcast. So here we are. So what's the podcast going to be about? Uh, I think it's going to be about a number of things. Today, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about where West Coast Stars is and where Adrenaline is and, and what's going on in those organizations. But in the future, we'll be bringing people in that are relevant to the West Coast Stars mission, which is uh, furthering lacrosse in the West. Um, and providing elite experiences for uh, Western kids playing lacrosse, looking to go to the next level in college. So we'll be bringing in guests that you know address how to get there, what it takes to be at an elite level, what to expect, uh, not all from a recruiting perspective, but also from a performance perspective. And not all of them will even be directly involved with lacrosse. Uh, we'll have some guests who are involved in other sports or even other realms that apply directly to, you know, what West Coast stars and adrenaline um, lacrosse players are experiencing and, and want to experience. Uh, today, what we're going to be doing is uh, talking a little bit about um, what this podcast is going to be about, what we're going to be doing here. Uh, we're going to be talking to John Ozisi and Jesse Foss, who are the two principal guys running West Coast Stars. We're going to talk to them about that program and, and also some of the exciting adrenaline events that are coming up over the summer. It's that time of year right now where 
lacrosse players are getting into their high school postseasons, and it means summer lacrosse is right around the corner. Uh, so we'll be talking about you know what adrenaline is doing in that realm, some of their their events coming up, and, and where West Coast Stars will be. We'll talk a little bit of lacrosse news, uh, and then I also am going to get into uh, a little bit about some of my own philosophies on the recruiting process and um, and some thought processes that if you are a parent of a lacrosse player who's who's looking to go to college to play or young lacrosse player going through the recruiting process, um, some things that you can think about that might help you along that path. So excited to get going on this. Uh, excited for our first episode. This will evolve and obviously improve as we go. This is my first podcast, so uh, I'm going to be learning as I go. Um, welcome any feedback as we go along, and I hope you enjoy listening. We'll be back in a minute uh, to talk a little bit about the recruiting process. All right, we are back with the Adrenaline Podcast, episode one, first episode. So first episode of the Adrenaline Podcast, and our first guest, which is a pretty important role, is Jesse Foss with Adrenaline and West Coast Stars. Jesse, how you doing, buddy? Good, John Paul. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, man. Well, thanks for having me too. As I was saying yeah. in the intro, you know, I'm uh, I'm I'm figuring out my life these days, and one of the things that I figured out, which is great, is uh, I get to do whatever I want, and I get to do it with uh, with groups that I like working with and people I like working with. So here I am. I was, you know, flattered that uh, that you guys at Adrenaline and West Coast Stars have asked me to join up, and I think this podcast is going to be fun. So. Um, this will be a fun role and, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. And this first episode is all about kind of setting the stage for the stuff that we're going to be doing in the future. And I wanted to start it out. We're going to have a lot of outside guests over the next few months, but I wanted to start it out, uh, with you to talk about West coast stars and adrenaline and some of the exciting things that are, that are coming up this summer. But before we do that, uh, I think it'd be good to hear a little bit about you personally. So I know a little bit of your background. I know you're an East Coast guy. and Grew up on Long Island and played lacrosse out East. And uh, Tell me how you landed in, in California. Yeah, I mean, basically, uh, East Coast guy. I grew up in uh, Levittown, New York, uh, Long Island, New York, and uh, went to Division Avenue, went over to um, Nassau Community College for two years and went to Stony Brook, finished my last two years there, and kind of ended up in California. I came out for you know, kind of celebration of my graduation for a month in the summer, and I'm going to check out San Diego, and that turned in three months, and three months turned in three years, and you know, here I am, 18 years later, uh, you know, still living in San Diego, and I don't, I don't think I'm, I got pretty good strong roots here now, and I don't think I'm leaving. So, I feel like Southern California does that to a lot of people, right? I'm just going to go out and hang out for a year or two and see what happens, and then 20 years later, there you are. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's 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 an ideal place, and it's it's a great place. Now I have a wife, and I have a son, and so you know we're I'm pretty tied into the community, lacrosse community certainly, and uh, you know I feel feel at home here. Did you move out there with the intention of making lacrosse your career? Not at all, not at all. Um, I came out here, and I I was pretty opposed to coaching at all. Um, and then you know I just kind of got obviously. You know, lacrosse is still growing out here, and I think anyone that was, you know, had some experience with the sport, people found right away and asked if they could help, and, and I ended up doing a couple of lessons with some kids, and you know, came out and helped out of a couple of practices at like middle schools, and just 
it's just people that reached out and said, Hey, when you have a need, can you come out and help us out? And, um, you know, saw that there was a real need and, and kind of felt vested to, to kind of do my part and give back to the game that's given me so much. And, um, you know, I started coaching at Lacoste County in high school, uh, up in North County, San Diego, just basically as a volunteer for half of the, you know, second half of a year. And, you know, got kind of pulled into doing that as a full-time role, uh, you know, as an assistant. You know, I coached there for eight years as an assistant and then six years as head coach. Um, you know, at that point, I was pretty much fully tied in and, and started working with adrenaline lacrosse. And then at that point, it was 24-7 lacrosse and San Diego lacrosse in particular. That was Dallas Hartley's program, right? Is that where? Yep. Yeah, yeah so me and Dallas, we, uh, I've, I've known Dallas for a long time. Um, you know, even before this, he'd gone to a camp that I'd gone to and we knew each other in high school, actually. He's a year older than me. Yeah. Um, but he was the, he was the JV assistant coach his first year out of college. And then halfway through the year, the varsity coach got fired. So he became the JV head coach, JV head coach or head coach became the varsity head coach. He got fired and Dallas went from being a 22 year old, you know, JV assistant to the head varsity coach within like two weeks. And that's when he called me and said, hey, I need help. And so I came out and helped out the second half of that year. And at that point, we just kind of ran with it together. Um, you know, and it was great coach for me. He's a great guy, great coach. Yep. Uh, I've learned a lot from and someone I still talk, talk to him this morning, actually. And we were kind of talking about it there in the uh, MCLA championship this weekend against Michigan State. And so uh, we were just kind of talking a little bit about that and, you know, all this stuff as well. Yeah, he's got the Chapman program rolling. They they have always been good. When I was coaching the club program at Michigan, we we – Matched up with them four times, I think. Never lost to them. Put that in there. But we, we saw them twice in the national championship game and a couple times out of Chapman in incredible setting for lacrosse games. And, uh, and then Dallas taking over has done such a great job. You know, has already won one championship. And now has a shot at his second. I think he's been in the championship game now three years in a row. So yeah, uh, has, has done a heck of a job there. A great guy to be tied, tied up with in lacrosse. I, uh, I coached against him when he was at Sonoma, when he was playing at Sonoma. And I like him a lot better as a coach. He was hard to coach against as a player. Yeah, he was a pretty solid player. And his story is pretty incredible. The fact that he didn't start picking the sport up till his senior high school and then went on to, to be a you know, multiple-time All-American in the MCLA level and, and really one of the better players. I, I still play with him now. And he does some stuff in the field that's just amazing. Um, yeah. Pretty impressive for not playing that long for how good he is. Really is, and and you know certainly one of those guys athletically could have played at any level. He stood out when we played against those great Sonoma teams back then. So he made the jump from Lacosta Canyon to college coaching, and then you did the same thing a couple years ago. Why the why the move to San Diego State? Um, it, I just felt you know again I've been coaching at the high school level for fourteen years. I think part of it there's a lot of factors involved, and some some good, some bad. And um, you know one of the things is I think. California doesn't still have a state championship for lacrosse. Right. Um, so, you know, it was pretty much, all right, you got your regular season game versus Toy Pines, and then you have your championship, you know, your county championship versus Toy Pines. And that was pretty much what you were playing for. And I just felt, you know, we'd, we'd won, what, eight CIF championships. We played in 13 out of 14 of them in my years as an assistant head coach. And just, um, it just felt like it was in the time for a new challenge. Um, you know, I don't think I was ready to go back East or leave San Diego to go join a, you know, the NCA ranks. Um, and this is an opportunity to, to fill into a head coaching role, uh, at the MCLA level and, and help a program that hasn't really historically been very strong, um, and see what I can do with it. So 
how's that going so far? What do you, what's, what's your impression of coaching at that level? It's got challenges. Yeah. It's definitely got challenges. Um, but again, you know, I, it's funny. I, there's days I come home and uh, a lot more days last year than this year. This is my second year, but um, you know, and I come home like, what, you know, kind of, you know, complaining and moaning to my wife and she's like, look, you wanted the challenge, you know, stop, stop complaining about it, you, you know, handle it. And so, um, oops, um, it's been really good. You know, I think I've learned a lot as a coach, you know, I kind of told the kids this year is as much as hopefully I've, I've taught them on and off the field, they've taught me, um, how to coach. And I had to really come in and, and, you know, the first year I coached, Hey, this is how I was taught. This is how I've coached the high school level. This is how I'm going to coach here. Uh, and then didn't, wasn't well received. Um, so this year I really had to come into the year and really kind of evaluate what was working, what wasn't, and how to adjust my philosophies and, and kind of my practices a little bit. Um, and I think it's been a huge benefit to me. I think I, you know, I found a better way to coach. Uh, and that was why I did this to grow as a, as a, as a man, as a coach, uh, as a mentor. And I think I certainly done that so far. So. Well, you learn a lot more through challenges, right? If you just roll into something that's easy, you're not going to learn and grow that much. So Absolutely. Yeah, I've learned more than two years, the last two years, than I've learned in the last 10 years, you know? Sure. So as a coach, and, and it's helped me to, you know, I have a five-year-old now, and I look at how I coach my ki- you know, my guys and how I want kids to, or, you know, coaches to coach my son. And um, I think both have kind of worked out really well and, and really made me a better person and, and mentor to the, the guys I coach. Yeah. No doubt. So when you were, when you were a young guy, just moving out to the West coast and you're, you're helping out part-time with La Costa and doing, doing lessons, what were you doing for money back then? Um, so at that point I was just doing, I was bartending for a couple of years, moving out here and, and having a good time. And, uh, you know, I was spending the winters out in Hawaii when it was kind of slow season and come nice. back working and then working summers and I uh, had a good gig for a couple of years. And then, you know, reality set in and, um, I started personal training, um, you know, got my degree in exercise science, kinesiology at Stony Brook, and uh, kind of started pursuing that path and started my own business. And, um, you know, obviously I had a lot of athletic clients and kind of that's where I pushed my business um, and did that for about 10 years. And that's actually what brought me into adrenaline. Uh, they came out and said, hey, there's, there's a real need for training out here. And, um, you know, with our programming, we think you do great. And so I kind of came on as the director of training uh, you know, setting up curriculums for programs, setting up a, you know, training program, lifting strength conditioning programs uh, for teams and, and for our groups. Um, and then that kind of tied into, you know, building that into, okay, now you're going to work in a little bit of recruiting and some of the other stuff that I've been doing. So, Who, uh, who initially approached you from Adrenaline to, to join the group? Um, initially it was, uh, it was actually Alex Cade and Steve Spetta, the two, um, you know, president VP of Adrenaline. Um, I've known those guys for a while. I was coached against them for a while as well. Uh, but great guys and, and guys that I really trust and I've done a lot for the sport. You know, I've been out here, like I said, for about 18 years and uh, coached the high school level 14 years and just seeing the growth of the sport. I think they're really a big part of that. No doubt. That's, that's part of what has always drawn me to, to your organization. I think it's pretty neat that there's this whole group of guys, uh, you know, you, Steve, Alex, Jono, who have all kind of grown up with lacrosse in Southern California, and, and you're all a big part of growing it there too. But um, it's a it's a pretty neat dynamic that that all you guys have kind of done this together and have grown the sport together. Uh, we talk a lot about in Michigan what it's going to take here in this state to to get the sport. It's grown a lot, but to get the sport really to the next level, and uh, you know what we don't have is 
beaches and great yeah. weather to, to, to draw guys like you who are just going to come out and hang out yeah. when, they're, when they're young and then end up getting stuck there. And, and uh, for, for lack of a better word, if you could get stuck in Southern California and, uh, and end up making a lacrosse career out of it. And so we got to find a way to entice people here to, to have that same thing happen. So, uh, so how would you describe your role now? I mean, you started out as the, um, as the kind of master athletic trainer for uh, and strength and conditioning guy for adrenaline. What do you, what is your role now with adrenaline and West coast stars? Yeah. So right now I'm the um, director of recruiting. Um, and then also one of the directors of West coast stars. So director of recruiting, basically, you know, I'm, I'm communicating with all the college coaches as far as the recruiting events that adrenaline runs uh, East coast, West coast, and um, you know, throughout the year and, you know, just make sure that we're getting the right guys out, the guys that want to see our kids, that want to recruit our kids, and, and you know, going to be a value to our programming. Um, you know, and then just make sure all the communication's done there and set up any schedules, all the stuff that kind of goes involved into those recruiting events. Um, and then the other part of it is the director, one of the directors of West Coast Stars. I do more of the operational side. Um, so, you know, scheduling and communication and kind of all the, the behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, and then John O. Zizzi does more of the outward facing stuff. He's kind of uh, our, you know, recruiting director for West Coast Stars and does more of that role and communicating with those coaches, tying kids to those coaches, um, you know, finding the right kids for our program that are going to represent the West Coast, our brand, uh, and then also be guys that we think that are going to do well at the college level or we're going to be helping get to the college level. So how did, how did West Coast Stars, the, the, the elite travel recruiting program, grow out of the adrenaline family yeah i think it was um you know again i think adrenaline has been a pioneer in a lot of the western programming um and i think west coast star is one of those things where you know there was events being run in the west coast california and and there were good events and the sport was growing kids were developing but you know obviously a lacrosse college lacrosse is a um a small world and um, you know, I think those East Coast coaches, those NCAA coaches were really looking to the hotbeds areas. And I think we had a bunch of really good kids. We said, hey, we just need to get these guys in front of coaches. Um, you know, I think at that point, coaches were a little, little apprehensive about coming out to California to see players. It just was maybe not a, a great use of their time. And so we said, okay, well, we're going to get the best 25 kids that are juniors, seniors. We're going to get them together and we're going to send them back East and put them in a great event. Let's see how they do. Um, and that was kind of the, the first initial step to that. Um, you just say, we want to really expose our kids. And at that point, you know, it was, one part of it was recruiting. The other part was, you know, we want to keep the sport growing out here. And for that to happen, we need, we need our kids to see the best players. And so that they can go home and go, okay, you know what? I just saw, you know, so-and-so and I need to get better. I need to work hard. And that me working hard is going to help my teammates work hard. And that's going to help the younger guys work hard and going to see what it takes to be, be at that top of the game um you know i think now it's different there's lots more college games on on tv and kids can see it and are exposed to it there's a lot more club teams traveling a lot more coaches coming out here and training and coaching kids uh through prospect clinics and all those and showcases and um, but i think initially it was just hey we need to get our best kids out there so they can be exposed to this so they can grow and so hopefully they can potentially get recruited yeah i mean we you know it's one of the things we pride ourselves in with my staff when I was at Michigan is we were one of the first programs to really buy into getting out West to seeing kids play. So it's, uh, but, and that was great. It was great to get out there and see them. I remember going to a couple of events and it might've been just us and, and two or three other division one programs 
out there even before then when, when we were club getting out there, but, uh, and now that's not the case. Now a lot of those guys will travel West, but it's, I think the benefit for the kids, as you said, is for them to get out and see the game firsthand up close in the East against East coast kids playing all the programs that you guys do matching up against, uh, you know, the express and team 91 and triple H and crabs and all those teams so that, so they can get, really get a taste of what it's going to be like if they're going to play at the highest level in college. And I think that's a great benefit. I think there's a, a trickle down benefit to that as well. And you just mentioned it, you know, those elite ones that you guys selected for West coast stars, bring that back home. Yep. And now you've got something that maybe their teammates want to aspire to, and they can also talk about and, and show them, you know, if, if, if you want to get there too, I saw it, this is what you got to do. Yeah. No, and we'll get emails from parents all the time. Hey, you know, my kid just got back from this. We just did a spring break trip, uh, West Coast Stars. We went out to Duke and uh, watched Duke play UNC. Um, you know, got to meet Coach Janowski, got to meet Coach Metzbauer, um, you know, got to do tours of the facilities and then obviously uh, played a couple of games as well. Um, but, you know, that was great and it was a great experience. But the emails I've gotten from parents for the last, you know, month afterwards, hey, I just want to tell you, my kid is like spent an hour every day on the wall and he's been shooting and he's been, working harder on his books and kind of all the stuff that goes, you know, once they're exposed to it, okay, Hey, I need, I want to be there. And so I'm hungry now. And, and again, those kids now are the best players in their teams. When other kids see them as an example, they're going to follow suit. So I think it's been great for the, the growth and uh, you know, obviously everything that's kind of come afterwards. So this kind of trip that you just took, this is very different than, you know, the standard trip out East to play in an event in the summertime or in the, or in November recruiting. You know, this is an opportunity to watch Division One lacrosse and kind of get embedded in it a little bit. How did this come up? Um, we started doing these maybe four or five years ago. Um, we did like for the youth kids, uh, you know, middle school um, and below. Um, we just wanted to give those kids a chance to really see the sport. You know, obviously, again, it's great seeing games on TV, uh, you know, and obviously there's the um, Pacific Coast shootout now, uh, which, you know, they'll bring Division One teams out here. And I know uh, Notre Dame's gone up in the fall and played teams up in Northern California, but this is a chance to really kind of go back for parents and players, you know, to, to see everything that goes involved, that's involved in it. And I think that's something that, you know, parents and players going through the tours of the facilities and meeting the coaches and kind of hearing their talk about, you know, academics first and how this is, you know, an added benefit to the college experience, not just, you know, you're an athlete and that's it. And, um, you know, I think it's been a huge, huge positive for everyone. Um, and I know the coaches all loved the trip. It was great. And, and kind of getting that, ex that opportunity to, to get that kind of, ex um, you know, level of, uh, exclusiveness to those programs. Um, but yeah, so we started doing, we do in the fall, we'll do a trip out to, we went to Harvard and Tufts this last fall. Uh, you know, again, met a lot of the kids. Luckily we have a lot of our West Coast Stars alumni on those teams. Mm -hmm. um, so those kids are able to come out, talk to our families about their experience, about their experience the west coast and then obviously their experience in college uh, and it kind of all ties it in together what uh what are some of the things coming up this summer for west coast stars and for adrenaline that you're really excited about yeah obviously the west coast stars um you know first thing is we're uh we are going to uh do our first time we've done a training camp so we have on uh, Saturday, June 2nd, we have a, a free training camp for all the West Coast Stars players. And, you know, the goal is really to get it. Again, we're pulling from a huge area. We have kids from Texas, Colorado, British Columbia, 
uh, Minnesota, you know, Oregon, Washington, Nevada, everywhere. Um, I think there's about 14 states involved. And so we're, you know, we asked these kids to come in uh, and train for a day with our coaching staff. And, you know, we can put in offenses, defenses, really get everyone dialed in and also getting those kids to get a, a comfort level with each other, um, you know, how to play with each other, knowing each other's names and all that. And um, so that when we do go to the tournaments, they're, they're at a next level. You know, I think one of the disadvantages of West Coast Stars is the fact that we're playing against teams that are practicing sometimes three and four times a week. Um, they're a little more regional, regionally mm-hmm. based. Um, you know, so they have that consistency. So we're bat- it's an uphill battle for us. So being able to come in and do this training camp is going to be huge for our guys to, to build that, develop that chemistry and be kind of ready to roll into the tournaments. And, um, you know, the tournaments themselves, we're playing the Platinum Cup. Uh, the Adrenaline Platinum Cup is one of the best events of the summer. Um, so we'll be doing that on June 9th, 10th. We're doing the North American Lacrosse Invitational um, the next weekend, uh, which is another great event, you know, kind of a boutique event, about six or seven programs involved, all really top-level programs. And then the last one will be the NLF Summer Championship uh, out in late July. And again, a huge event. NLF does a great job getting the best teams there, best coaches. So I'm um, excited to there and, and really kind of let our guys challenge, you know, themselves and see what they can do. Um, the fall is, is great and it's great for recruiting. Um, but I think, you know, they're one day events, there's no winner. So I think this is an opportunity for, it's not just, Hey guys, let's get recruited, but Hey, let's show we're the best club. Let's show you we're the best players, you know, in the country, uh, and their tournament formats. So they will be able to do that. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's fun to compete, right? It's one thing to go out and play and just showcase yourself, showcase yourself, but it's, it's way more fun when you're competing for something. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, our kids are always pretty hungry. I mean, that's something that we, we really push on them. Hey guys, like you gotta have a chip in your shoulder. You know, you gotta, people don't want to respect you as a West coast player. You gotta earn that respect and you gotta go out there and show them that, Hey, we can play just as well as anyone else. And we are one of the better players in the country. Um, and obviously we've had guys that have gone on and done that at the college level and proven that um, we have a couple guys right now that are doing that. But um, I think as a program, it, it, it shows a lot. So so following up on that, what do you think are some of the advantages and disadvantages of being from the West Coast and, and trying to play lacrosse at the varsity level where most of the opportunities are in the East? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously, uh, you know, one of the big benefits we have is year-round weather. You know, I think for the most part, we can get out and play every day. And if guys are hungry and want to get better at it, they certainly can. Um, you know, I think, <clears throat> I think we have some really good athletes out here. And I think, like I said, I think the skill set is, is growing tremendously. Um, you know, I think some of the disadvantages for our athletes is really being exposed to the game. I mean, I remember as a high school kid going to the Hofstra games or going to the Adelphi games or going to the Stony Brook games, you know, every week and, and seeing those players. And um, you're, just, you're just so much more tied in. And there's so many more better kids. Um, whereas out here, I think our kids, you know, we have some really, really good teams. But we have also teams that where there's one kid that's phenomenal on a team that maybe isn't that strong and they don't have that opportunity to develop and you know that lacrosse IQ and all that kind of sense that goes along with it, the awareness, field awareness and all that. So um, I think that's one of the disadvantages. Sure. And and as you as you alluded to earlier, there's a big difference between watching all the games on television and on YouTube and 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 on your phone screen and just being yeah. there and soaking it in and you know, seeing the, the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into it firsthand. I mean, it's a, Absolutely. It's a very different yeah. experience. Yeah, TV doesn't doesn't really gauge the speed of the game and, and the intensity of the game like it does being able to see it live, you know? Yep. 
Yeah, no doubt. What about the uh, Adrenaline All-American game? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, that's an awesome event. It just keeps getting better every year. You know, last year we brought it into the uh, the, the Dallas Star um, in Frisco, and it's obviously where the Dallas Cowboys, there's a training center. It's where they do all their offseason stuff. I think the Rattlers now are playing there as well. Right. Um, awesome event. And I think last, last year was the first year doing it there, and I think the kid just had a great time. I mean, they get – they feel like professionals for, for a weekend, you know, and – um, you know, jumbotrons, streaming the game outside and inside, and um, you, know, you get to play in an air-conditioned facility, which is pretty awesome in itself. Um, you know, and just getting really the best top 50 kids in the West to get out there and, and play and compete against each other. A lot of these guys are going to be college teammates, um, some of them meeting for the first time, and um, just in a really cool event this year, we're actually adding a girl's side of it as well, um, which will be really, really amazing as well. So you mentioned that there are you know, some West Coast Stars alums that are tearing it up in the, in the varsity world right now. Who are some of those guys who either now stand out to you or, or have in the past that, that you've been able to coach through the program? Yeah, I mean, I think, the, I think if you're looking for like the ambassador, the figurehead of the West Coast Stars program would be Peter Baum. Sure. Um, you know, Peter was a guy from Oregon. Um, I think he was yeah, Lincoln, Oregon, I believe. Um, and he was, I think he was a, he was a big fish in a small, small pond. And he came to the West Coast Stars program to get more exposure. And that first year, I think his sophomore year, he was like the bottom half of a roster. Um, you know, and I think he went home and was, I need to get better. I, now I see where I'm at and I need to, I need to get better. And he came back the next year and was by far the best player on our team and probably the best player in any tournament we played in. And it was this phenomenal change of a kid that, you know, obviously matured physically, um, but also just put the work in, um, you know, and, and obviously he's had a great career. He's a, you know, all MLL all-star, but uh, he's a Twartan winner, um, you know, first team All-American and, you know, player of the year as well. So he's probably the, the, the peak of our, our program. Um, I can tell you, I coached against him when he was at Colgate and that was no fun. And, and it's, it's, there's no coincidence that the Colgate program, while Murph does a great job and they're always, they're always very good they reached their pinnacle when Peter was there. Right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's, 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 there's no coincidence there. He, he brought that level up to, to an elite level for a few years. That's, it's an incredible story. Yeah, no, he is an incredible player. He's a great kid, great guy. Um, and like I said, but, it, but I, to me, when I always think about Peter, it's obviously the accolades are great, but just seeing where he was, like I said, you know, maybe the bottom half of a roster to becoming, you know, going back, working hard, come back and, that's really what I, when I look at West Coast stars, the recruiting part of it is great. And, you know, we want kids to get in college, but seeing someone like that grow as a person, that's something that changed him. And I don't know if that change would happen without the West Coast stars experience and be able to be exposed to better players. So, um, you know, he's, he's one of the, the best to come to the program. We've had tons of college all Americans and, um, you know, player years and all that stuff from different levels. But, um, you know, right now we have guys like uh, Tucker Dwardovic, uh, over at Syracuse, starting midfielder for them, doing a great job as a freshman. And then Bubba Fairman down in Maryland, sure. uh, the guy that played for us for, you know, four years. And both those guys actually coached that 2017 team from their eighth grade, grade uh, level all the way up through their graduation. I was their West Coast Stars coach. So uh, we have tons of guys in those programs that are doing a great job. Teddy Sullivan over Denver, Andrew Beach and Mithausen. Um, mm -hmm. I can kind of go down the list. But yep. you know, some yep. really good players that are doing great things already as freshmen. Yeah, it's it's great to see, and as you know, as you know, those guys are become great ambassadors for the sport back home. I mean, it, it gives everybody kind of a roadmap 
And and uh, I think the first guy you highlighted, Peter Baum, is a great example of that, right? You can you can put if you put in the work and you have a, a decent amount of ability to start with. You don't have to be an all American to start with, but if you have a decent amount of ability and you decide to really put in the work in our sport, you can go a long way with that. And it, and it can separate you from all the guys who aren't willing to do that. He's a great example of that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I think one of the, you know, maybe basketball and, and lacrosse are two sports that really you can put individual time in and really develop your game. You know, I think you got like football is bigger, stronger, faster, and even, you know, basketball, it's, you know, being faster, taller, but, you know, I think those sports, it just allows you to really put the time in on your own to, you know, play wall ball, pound the wall and, you know, shoot and, and do your footwork stuff. And a lot of stuff you work on individually that you can grow. So it makes it a fun sport. Yeah. It's one of the things that it'll probably talk about in future podcasts as well. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I think our sport is still evolving into is, is where guys have this elite mindset that, uh, that they, that they approach their training the same way that basketball players do. So they, uh, they are doing, you know, really specific workouts on their own. They're getting footwork done. They, they're coming into their workouts with a plan. The number of times that I'm around a basketball court and I see guys doing that on their own, they have cones set up and they're doing shooting drills that they've plotted out for the day. You know, that's something that our sport still needs to evolve into. More guys need to approach the sport with this kind of elite athlete mindset that some of the really successful guys have had. Um, you got any funny kind of funny stories from the road? Any, anything that, that stands out to you that, uh, that are some good anecdotes to share from years of coaching in the West? Funny stories coaching the West. Hmm. Um, yeah. I didn't really think about that one. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll, maybe we'll hit that in the future. I'm sure stuff will, stuff yeah. will come up, but it's, uh, it's I'm, I'm sure there are some there are probably some you can't share as well yeah, there's but, certainly a couple i'm sure i can't share yeah i'm sure there are as well um anything else anything else you want to add about uh about west coast stars about adrenaline about stuff that's coming up before we cut it off um yeah i mean you know obviously um you know players that are interested in, adre in adrenaline lacrosse events you know make sure you guys are checking out the website for all our recruiting events tournaments and, and some of the individual showcases um you know, as well as West Coast Stars, we'll do a tryout, a regional tryout in uh, north, the Northwest uh, in late July. And then we'll do one in August as well, uh, you know, trying to add to our team and, and kind of grow and, um, you know, find better players. And that's the, that's the goal, right? It's find better players that are going to have the best opportunity to really go back east and, and do well uh, on the field. And then also at the college level, not just athletically, but also academically and, um, you know, find the right complement that we can really we can highlight those kids. So. Right. Right. And they can, uh, they can find all this information on the adrenaline website. Yep. Yep. Uh, cool. Well, here we are. Episode number one, first guest. You'll be a trivia question someday when this podcast blows up. Yeah, there you and go. We're all, we're all making millions of dollars off advertising from it. <laughs> you're officially the first adrenaline podcast guest. Uh, appreciate you. Thanks for being on today. Um, and, uh, and we'll be doing this monthly and every time, or maybe even more, but every time that we do an episode, uh, whatever our focus is, we'll always have one of the Adrenaline or West Coast Stars guys on briefly to give a little update on what's going on uh, within the Adrenaline family. So thanks, Jesse, and 
I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good, about John Paul. Thanks for having me, man. All right, buddy. So welcome back. Uh, great having Jesse Foss with us as our first podcast guest. Uh, as I said, we're going to be identifying guests from uh, within the lacrosse world and outside the lacrosse world, but anybody who I think can provide us uh, some information that is going to benefit people who are part of the recruiting process in college lacrosse. Uh, I think this will be a great forum for sharing information that, that can apply to that process. Uh, a couple things I wanted to mention before we go today. Um, first of all, a few things in the lacrosse world that have happened recently uh, that apply, especially to the West Coast. Uh, MLL draft was a couple weeks ago. Um, and great example of, of a West Coast guy uh, having a great college career and then, and then uh, and parlaying that into a great professional opportunity is Sean Mayle, who was picked in the first round, um, sixth pick by Chesapeake, Longstick Mitty from Sacred Heart Prep in California, um, played at Denver and, and uh, has had a, a very, very good career at, at Denver, which is continuing, obviously. And um, as they get ready for the tournament this weekend, I'm recording this on Friday before the NCAA tournament begins. Um, but a great example of somebody, as we, we discussed with Jesse, you know, Peter Baum and the success he's had. And there have been a number of guys, obviously, that have come from the West Coast and have tremendous success in, in college across at all levels uh, and then have, have continued to take that to the highest level, um, the professional level beyond there. And, and Sean has that opportunity now. Um, also wanted to mention, uh, a couple of passings in the lacrosse world, uh, one that applies to the West coast and one that, that doesn't as much, but first of all, uh, lacrosse a week or so ago, lost Dick Adele, who was long, long time coach at the university of Maryland, among other places, um, Calvert Hall, uh, Towson, Baltimore city college, uh, a legend in the lacrosse coaching world. Um, had a tremendously successful career at, uh, especially at Maryland, where he's best known. Um, entered the U.S. Lacrosse Hall of Fame in 2004. Um, great coach, uh, obviously. But but what he's most known for, I think, is the kind of guy he was. Uh, you would be hard pressed. I never have talked to anybody who's played for him to find somebody who had any bad word whatsoever to say about him. His players absolutely adore him. And uh, he was tough on him. I mean, he, he pushed him hard, but he's an example of a guy who um, can be a tough, hard-nosed coach, but his players knew and continue to know that he cared about them deeply. There was a lot of love there, and, and he always had their back. And I'll tell you a quick personal anecdote. When my run at Michigan came to an end, uh, last May, a little over a year ago, an outpouring of, of emails and texts and calls from people within and, and not within the lacrosse community, you know, to, to offer their perspective on, on me and my career and whatever else. And that was incredibly humbling and, and uplifting at the same time. And one of the people that wrote one of the nicest notes to me, one of the most uplifting notes to me was Dick Adele. I barely knew Dick Adele. I, I met him once 
in a uh, in a suite at the the Final Four that that he was in as well, and um, and we you know obviously we talked that day, but it was years before, and he remembered that and remembered me and and wrote me this this incredible note um, that again was so so nice and so so uplifting, and I'll always remember that. And when I when I mentioned that to people that played for him at Maryland, uh, it doesn't surprise them at all. They just their response is yeah, of course. Big man did that. That's exactly what he does. So that will always be my memory of him is just how gracious he was, even to people that he barely knew. Uh, the other big loss in the lacrosse world recently, it just happened over the weekend, this past weekend, is Flip Nomberg. And Flip doesn't have the name recognition that, that Dick Adele did. Uh, but in the lacrosse world, without everybody in the country knowing about him. He's a giant in the sport for so many reasons. Flip was a longtime coach of the club program at Colorado State. Uh, when I was the coach of the club program at Michigan, and I was first starting out 21 years ago now, Colorado State, Flip was at Colorado State, and he, was, he ran the program among a couple that were the benchmarks to me. They were the programs that that I wanted Michigan to be, BYU being the other one, and Jason Lamb, who was coaching there at the time. And um, those two programs couldn't have been more different. They were big rivals. They were in the same conference. But Flip ran a program that was intimidating and tough and hard-nosed and gritty, uh, and they played at a very fast pace. Uh, you know, we talk about pace now and, and how fun the fast-paced teams are to watch. Well, Colorado State was doing that um, back then. Uh, they, they were known for that in the MCLA and, and how, how fast they played. Um, they had all of those things. They had swagger. They had confidence. Um, you hated playing against them, but you admired the way they play because they played, you know, with such confidence and and and. They they played such a tough brand of lacrosse, and that was that was flip. They also were incredibly successful. Uh, that program has won six championships and had nine appearances in the MCLA final, and uh, four of those championships were under flip. Seven appearances in the championship game. There was a period there in the first half of the 2000s from 1999 on that you pretty much just expected them to be in the championship game every year, and. You know, that's the kind of program that they had, and, and that was what we were aiming for. But I think the most important thing about Flip's teams, kind of similar to what I just mentioned about Dick Adele, was the sense of family. They use that word all the time. They still do at Colorado State. And, uh, and his players all felt like they were part of Flip's family. They, they felt like he was a father figure and, and a brother and a mother, all wrapped in a coach, all wrapped into one. And, you know, he pushed them, but he was there for them. They all knew he was there for them. And, um, there's so much love there for him because he created this this true kind of family. We throw that word around a lot, um, but this true kind of family atmosphere in his program. Some other things you may not know about Flip Nomberg that, that make him kind of a, really a lacrosse icon. Uh, he started the Vail lacrosse tournament. And back in the day when I was playing, uh, there was no MLL. There was no professional outdoor lacrosse. There was only professional indoor so in the summers, everybody played men's club lacrosse. And the top men's club teams were basically like the MLL teams are now, just not quite as organized. And so and the, the premier showcase for all those teams to get together and play was Vail. Vail's still a great tournament, still draws great talent. But if you can imagine Vail back then, it was basically like 
an MLL weekend with all the teams playing there at the same time. Uh, Flip created that and along with, with a couple partners um, created that experience and, and has kept it going over the years. That was the first and still remains the foremost summer lacrosse tournament in the country. Uh, he started Rocket Pocket, which still exists today uh, as an alternative stringing system for sticks. He was always tinkering with sticks and trying to figure out the best system uh, for stringing sticks. And if you think about it, Rocket Pocket, whether you, whether you like that particular pocket or not, was in many ways the precursor to what Warrior is doing now with the warp. Um, he was looking for a way to have a stick ready as it came out of the box that needed very little adjustment or as it came out of the store that was ready to play and needed very little adjustment. Uh, and that was rocket pocket. And this was something he came up with decades before um, it's now being done in, in a different, very marketable way by, by warrior and others. Um, <clears throat> he invented or was, or was a big part in inventing the offset head, which completely changed the lacrosse world. You know, Warrior ended up with the patents for the offset head and for years and, uh, and kind of controlled the lacrosse head market for a long time. And, and the game has changed because of head technology. The offset head was a big part of that. Before that, everybody played with flat heads um, that changed the way you threw and scooped and the feel of the ball in the pocket and um, the way the ball held in the pocket. All that, all that changed with the offset head. That was Flip <laughs> that came up with that. He was always tinkering with... Um, with different ways to, to improve the game of lacrosse. He came up with a game called Chumash, which is a um, kind of uh, small-sided three-on-three or four-on-four game that, um, that is a great learning and teaching tool for young people. He was thinking you know, not just about the highest levels of the game, but how to teach the game, how to make it really accessible to new players, uh, and, and came up with a great way to do that through, through Chumash. And... Uh, he had a, an, a blog for years that he would write to sometimes daily and sometimes every other week or so. But when CSU was at the height of their dominance of, of the MCLA and Flip was the coach, he would write in this blog that was required reading. Uh, this was at a time when there weren't a lot of blogs out there either. Uh, this was required reading for anybody in college called lacrosse uh, and probably a lot of other places too not only for its insight into his coaching mind, but, um, but just some of the insight into, you know, what kind of, what kind of person he was and, and how he thought about things. It was irreverent and funny and very, very personal. I mean, he, he got deeply personal in that blog and, and kind of left it all out there. And, uh, I always respected him for that. So, so many reasons that Flip Malberg was such a great icon of the game. And I think, um, flies under the radar a little bit. Uh, with a lot of people, but uh, I definitely wanted to bring up. Uh, I think I was I was so saddened to see of his passing, learn of his passing. Come Monday, I found out, and um, and and to me and to so many others, he's just been such an integral part of the growth of lacrosse and, and an influence on on so many of us as we've moved through the game. Uh, you know, finally, I think every week I, I wanted to, to maybe point out a resource or two that uh, you as, a, as an aspiring coach or young lacrosse player can use. And, and the one that, uh, that I'm going to point out this week is I find a lot of my influence from other sports doesn't just come from lacrosse. 
my background actually personally is not from lacrosse. I didn't start playing lacrosse until college. My background is more traditional sports, football, basketball, and, uh, and track and sports like that. And, and I find a lot of my influence from those places and always have. Uh, and same now, even as a, as a longtime lacrosse coach, I'm always looking at, um, at stuff that's coming out in other sports. One of the sports that has so many resources for uh, athletes that has so many parallels to us is basketball. You know, our sports are so similar. Lacrosse and basketball are probably the most similar uh, of any two different sports and in, in tactics and strategy and the way practice looks. And, uh, and one of the resources that I go to all the time is pure sweat basketball. Um, so if you're out there and you want to find a, a good follow, find pure sweat on, uh, on Twitter and start following not just them, but, uh, but some of their coaches as well. The two founders are Alan Stein and Drew Hanlon and, and another coach I really like following there is John Beck. And they just provide a lot of great, uh, not only some technical things that can be applied directly to lacrosse, like drills that are used in basketball that you could convert to lacrosse drills, but also just a lot of great anecdotes on what it takes to be really, really successful as a great athlete and as a leader. And, uh, that's a place that, that I've found a lot of motivation for the things that I've done as a coach. Pure Sweat Basketball, Drew Hamlin, Alan Stein, John Beck, and others, and the whole staff of guys. So check that out when you get a chance. I think that's going to wrap it up for Adrenaline Lacrosse Podcast number one. Um, this was fun. It was fun to talk to Jesse today and hear about his story and, and the West Coast Stars and Adrenaline story a little bit more and hear what's coming up this summer. Uh, it was fun to be here talking to you about the recruiting process and what I see going on in college lacrosse right now or in the lacrosse world right now. And looking forward to, to doing this over the course of the next few months. Um, not sure when the next one is going to come out. It will be fairly soon. In the meantime, find this podcast wherever you can find podcasts, subscribe, and, uh, and we'll keep content coming to you. Thanks a lot for listening. Adrenaline podcast number one in the books. We'll see you next see time. You next see time. You next time.